back in. Let's go. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Giles, yours truly, with you for, oh, we'll be here for about 40, 45 minutes as we talk through the cornerback position. We want to get right down to business, so we leave ourselves plenty of time to talk about this position population for the Minnesota Vikings because there's lots to get to with it, especially with a new defensive coordinator in tow. So super excited to talk about these cornerbacks in the NFC North to see where the Minnesota Vikings stand relative to the rest of the division. Roster cuts happening on Tuesday by 3 p.m. Central Time. Already some news and rumors coming in about what the Vikings and other teams in the National Football League will do. We're going to come back with another special edition episode of the Wobcast 2.0 later in the week to break down the roster cuts. So we won't get into any of that today on this episode. We're going to stick to corners as we conclude our uh, series of roster evaluations where we went position by position in the NFC North, ranking everyone's room. And we wanted to see where the Vikings stood from a totality of the roster standpoint with the rest of the division. So we're going to conclude that today with corners. Helping me do it, of course, is Giles. We bring him in right now. How's it going, bud? Hey, hey, happy Monday. Uh, We're one step closer to the beginning of the season, and I'm stoked for it. Uh, Obviously, we're talking through corners today. I think this is maybe the most ambiguous group on the Minnesota Vikings roster. I think if you look at this group at the beginning of the offseason, you could have people that are in love with it, people that are not so in love with it. I think there are pretty significant upsides for the Minnesota Vikings and also some pretty glaring question marks. So it'll be really exciting to see as we walk through this uh, position group and see how we can put this on the field. Yeah, I agree. Let's get right to it and talk about the Bears first. But one thing that I totally agree with you on about what you just said was sort of the... The inexact nature, the unknown nature, the the nebulous nature of this position group for the Vikings, where it's mm. I really feel like, and the Detroit Lions to me look like they are this way as well, where it's like they can be pretty adaptive, the Vikings and Lions to who they're playing that week, mm-hmm. or to the situation of the game, to the down in the distance. I can see the Vikings having three safeties on the field. Fairly regularly, based on the situation. Yeah, based on the situation. Yeah. Like, like the guy is listed as a safety, but he's playing in a nickel or a dime package. Um, and I think the Lions are a little bit that way too. And if you're in that position, I think it's good because you're. It allows you to just get your best players on the field without mm-hmm. having to pigeonhole yourself into being like, oh, we got to have two corners on the field. Up, oh, we got. We can only have two safeties. No, let's just let's get our best DBs on the field. And have him make plays. I think the Vikings and Lions are two teams in a position to do that. So we're going to talk about the Vikings and the Lions momentarily. We'll start with the Chicago Bears. So structure-wise, Giles and I uh, selected four corners from each team. And we're going to give grades on all four, and then we'll total up for every team. Uh, Two starting outside corners, one nickel corner, and then a backup corner. That could be their backup nickel. It could be a backup outside corner. It could be a safety who you think they're going to play more than they're going to play their fourth corner. So we we basically act as if... you know, if we were running the team, these are the top four corners, the top four players who should get snaps this season for the team. So we start with the Bears. Mm-hmm. Some unknown uh, faces and names, I think, for the Bears. A pretty young group, Giles. We'll start with one of the outside corners, Jalen Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, not great ball production last season uh, for Johnson. A, a little bit of a veteran in this group, which is otherwise very young. Six foot, 195, 60, uh, just under a 63 PFF grade. He actually allowed 27 catches on 46 targets um, last year and only had one pick. So not great ball production here, but a guy who knows the defense and is a veteran and a leader in that room. Um, so on a scale of 0 to 10 for the uh, for the three starters, I gave Johnson a 5. Mm-hmm. Not all fives are the same. This is a five that could inch its way up, I think. Um, but uh, and, and the way for that to happen for Johnson is ball production. Um, just mm-hmm. just not a lot there. Um, up next at the other outside corner, Tyreek Stevenson. Now he's a rookie, second round, um, second round player. The Bears traded up to get Stevenson, so not a lot of track or no track record here professionally to go off of. Just know though that Stevenson has had a great camp. Uh, he played, uh, I believe he started at the University of Georgia and then transferred to Miami. So obviously someone with a lot of talent um, and was a really good player for the Miami Hurricanes. I gave Stevenson a 6 on that scale of 0 to 10. And we'll go to the nickel, uh, and that is Kyler Gordon. Six foot, 200 pounds, uh, allowed a lot of receptions uh, last year. Did have three picks, was a second-round pick a couple of years ago. The one thing that you kind of like about Gordon that's good for the Bears is he can play on the outside or he can play in the slot. So if the Bears mm-hmm. sustain an injury to one of those two outside players, they can put Gordon on the outside and slide someone up to nickel. If they were to do that, I think it would be Josh Blackwell, and he's the fourth corner that I chose to evaluate. I think there are a number of other players you could go to here, Giles, to look at for the Bears. I went with Blackwell, a veteran, can play inside or outside. Uh, I believe he came from the Eagles, uh, 5'11", 1'80". You know, again, minimal production, but a guy you can put in there if you got to get through a game or or a couple of games. I gave him a one on a scale of uh, zero to five for the reserve. Nothing special, but a lunch pail guy that you can rely on for the short term. So we add all of that up. Johnson gets a five and six, and Stevenson gets a six on the outside. Uh, Gordon with a six at nickel, and then one for Blackwell that comes out to an eighteen for the Bears. There we go. Uh, I have a few different differences for you, but starting off here with Jalen Johnson. This is a guy that was really excited uh, when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's only 24 years old, like you mentioned. He came from Utah. He was the 50th overall pick. Honestly, he's left a lot to be desired. Uh, although he had some pretty decent games last season, he also had some train wreck games as well. He didn't play the entire season as well, so he had some injury injury battles. Um, but I think every year... Um, he's gotten, I shouldn't say significantly better. He's gotten marginally better. He started Mm -hmm. off in 2020 with a 54.9 grade. And by the 2022 season, he ended at a 62.9 grade. So he has been inching his way forward uh, from an overall standpoint. Uh, But I think if you look at any deficiency, this guy is pretty abysmal at tackling. Last year, he had a 29.0 grade in tackling, which is worse than bad. Like that is, that is train wreck category, arguably enough to maybe take you off the field in some teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's some uh, technique things that absolutely need to be fixed there for the bears. Uh, if they expect to actually be productive when it comes to their cornerback room, uh, he is pretty decent in coverage. I wouldn't say he's great, but he's decent. Um, I was much higher on him coming out of college, like I mentioned, but he has not achieved that reality. Uh, so I think all that to say he got a six out of 10 um, uh, from that standpoint. So moving on to Tyreek Stevenson, uh, obviously from the Hurricanes, 204 pounds. He did a run uh, a 4.45, um, which, you know, I mean, is what it is from a corner standpoint. This guy, similar in the fact that he did have a few train wreck games, but other than that, he was much more consistent throughout the rest. So I, I think when I look at the uh, cornerbacks that I'm most excited about going into this upcoming season, Stevenson is the guy. Yep. Um, 
most games he was at a, a, a high 70s uh, grade. He had a few few games in the 40s, uh, but last year he did grade out at a 76.5 grade uh, with his most significant put out uh, in the coverage category. He has some tackling issues as well, so when you look at the cornerback room, I think that's, once again, things that they're going to have to improve. But when he came into the league in 2019, uh, he... Um, uh, you know, was much better, um, you know, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, when I say he, when he came into the league, I mean, uh, into the NCAA, yeah. um, he, he uh, tackled things much better. Um, so when he moved from Georgia to Miami, there was a much significant upgrade. So I'm really excited to see what he can put on the field. Um, but uh, he got a five out of 10 from that okay. standpoint. So moving on to the slot, um, we have, uh, like you said, Kyler Gordon. And I think uh, this is another guy that I'm not crazy about but at the end of the day i don't think there's many teams that are super excited about their slot corner yeah. there's not many that have a great con- corner uh in, in that spot but uh i think there's more train wreck games than good games he did have a 49.8 grade last year um uh you know he was drafted obviously last year in the second round uh, 39th overall selection so he was pretty high considering um the 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 performance that he put on the field so i think there's some some upside that needs to be reached there uh, but i did give him specifically a five out of ten with an upside of a seven so i think that needs to, to increase there and then for the cor- fourth cornerback i have kindle vildor oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. from georgia southern eagles uh, he's 189 pounds 511 so he's not necessarily a big corner uh, he's almost 26 years old uh, this is another guy that didn't play all the games last year uh, i think he got hurt in like the 12th or 13th game uh, but this is a scenario where he's never scored above a 60 pff grade his entire career in 2020 he started off as a 48.9 he has moved his way up to a 59.4 last year and this is another guy that's not great at tackling so i think that's uh, another consistency for the bears is that they need a drastically improving in the tackling unit but i did give him a two out of five which brings the entire bears room to an 18 out of 35 yeah we got there a little bit different ways but we ended up at the same number for the bears um in 18 you know surprisingly guiles this group i really like the bears linebackers um mm-hmm. i was okay with their edge defenders and um i was pretty high on their safeties so this i think this population mm-hmm. this this is the room i'm the least excited about i think for chicago yeah um i think the silver lining is they have a potential uh dynamite player in stevenson um, I completely agree. Yeah. I think there is definitely some upside there. Yeah. Um, but as a rookie, you know, there's obviously still question marks, but they're definitely upside. Yep, but, they were the 25th ranked coverage team last year, mm-hmm. so hopefully he can help bring them up and, to a higher. And they have to be better coverage wise because the Bears don't blitz their DBs a ton. Um, and I don't know if that's going to change or not. I don't think it is. Um, so they need to be good in coverage um, because mm-hmm. if the front four is not getting pressure, um, then they're going to be asked to cover uh, a little bit longer. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a group I'm not going to totally write off here, but um, I was probably the least excited about this group as I was any other position group on the Bears defense. Um, Agreed. All right, let's move on to Detroit. Um, Detroit, talking. we talk about, I talk about Detroit and their entire secondary in a very similar way to how I think Brian Flores and the Vikings are going to operate. A lot of mixing and matching, um, a lot of three or four safety looks at times and then other times they're going to have you know um four uh corners on the field so um mm-hmm. for detroit we'll start with emmanuel mosley you know i like the way mosley came up giles um the hard way with the 49ers and he played in some big games on a good defense mm-hmm. with san francisco in fact he had an interception of aaron Rodgers in the nfc championship game in 2019 he played in a super bowl one that the niners lost to the chiefs but i mean this guy's played in a lot of big games i can see why detroit might have liked that about him 
Uh, mm-hmm. But if he's asked to be the starter um, and play all 17 games and play every snap in every game, I think there's a chance here that <clears throat> you could be disappointed. So I, I ended up with a four on Mosley, which maybe feels a little low, but I just don't see a lot there that strikes of elite quality consistently over a long period of time type of play out of Mosley. And I hope for his sake he proves me wrong. Um, but I just didn't see a lot there. Also, he's uh, dealing with an injury um, and, mm-hmm. and may not be ready to go for week one. So pretty low grade yeah. there for Mosley. I ended up with a four yeah. on him. Uh, next is is Cameron Sutton. Now, we we talked about Cam Sutton in the offseason uh, before free agency started. This was a guy I was hopeful the Vikings would take a look at. He comes from the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers, um, so he's played for Mike Tomlin, which means he's well-schooled, well-trained. Uh, he's a big. He's a physical player. He lacks a little bit of that elite athleticism, speed, and suddenness. But he's tough. Mm-hmm. He's smart. He understands scheme. He understands uh, route concepts. I believe uh, had a pretty solid grade from a PFF standpoint. It was a third rounder in seventeen. Um, and he's a dog. I mean, he's a guy <clears throat> you, you want on your side. So I, I gave him a seven. Uh, I think he's a big upgrade over what Detroit had last year. And uh, I think he's going to be part of the improvement for the Detroit Lions secondary. Uh, we'll go to slot. Now, this is where I put C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um, you talked about C.J. as a safety. And in some places, mm-hmm. he is listed as a safety. But this is where it gets nebulous for the Lions. Like, they can they can play Gardner in the slot. They can play him as a safety. Um, again, another guy who's played in a lot of big games. Has a, he's brash. He's got an attitude. He talks. I mean, he got into a fight with Michael Thomas in a, when he played for the Saints. He got into a fight with a Chicago Bears receiver uh, where he got kicked out of a game. <clears throat> I just saw he was John with Adam Thielen from the sideline in a preseason game this weekend. So a uh, very noisy, loud uh, attitude um, type of player here. Six foot, 208. He's physical. He's big. He's fast. Really, really good player. Um, I gave him a nine on a scale of, of zero to ten. Uh, and then finally, uh, Jerry Jacobs. I actually had to do some research, Giles. I didn't know who the key backup was going to be here for Detroit. I, I settled on Jacobs. Um, I think he's a candidate to uh, be uh, overtaken at some point uh, by a younger player. Uh, Starling Thomas, Chase Lucas, Stephen Gilmore, someone like that. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I gave Jacobs a three. He's a, he's still young, so he's got a little bit of runway here to improve, and he's not embarrassing. You can definitely get by with him. So I gave him a three on a scale of zero to five. Uh, for the Lions, four for Mosley, seven for Sutton, nine for Gardner-Johnson, three for Jacobs. That's a 23 for Detroit. There we go. Uh, I think uh, we actually got to the same number, but through a different route. Uh, So we will start off with Emmanuel Mosley. This guy I'm uh, additionally excited about. I think he's great in pretty much every category except for pass rush, which uh, a little hint here. I think the Lions uh, also have a kind of a unique trend here in the fact that their corners statistically across the board do not do great with pass rush. Mm -hmm. For example, last year, Emmanuel Mosley got a 40.6 grade in pass rush. Just shows that they're not necessarily used in in a pass rush capacity, but in every other category, 
category. This guy's exactly what you want in a corner. He had a 70.9 grade last year. Uh, he had an even better grade in coverage. Uh, most of them came out as a, as a, a wide DB. He did, did a few things in the box. Uh, but at the end of the day, every year that he, that he uh, has played since 2019, he's scored above a 70, yeah. uh, I believe. So he came from the, the, the Tennessee Volunteers. He's 195 pounds, 5'11". Uh, he's getting a little bit older, um, a little long in the tooth. He's almost 27 years old. Uh, but I think this will be a pretty dramatic upgrade for the, the Detroit Lions when you pair him specifically with Cam Sutton, yeah. uh, like you mentioned before. Um, so uh, when I think about uh, Emmanuel Mosley, I did give him a 6 out of 10. I think he has the upside to maybe go to a, a 7 or 8 uh, based on having uh, Sutton on the other side. Um, I think uh, some of the targets are going to maybe get shared around. But uh, at the end of the day, I'd give him a 6 out of 10. So when we think about Sutton specifically, like you mentioned, this is another guy that I'm really, really excited about. Similar to uh, the other guy, this guy has everything going for him except for pass rush. He had a 37.7 grade in pass rush last year. Every other grade, phenomenal. Uh, was great in coverage, great, great against the run, great as an overall standpoint. He was obviously drafted in 2017. He had a few rough years to begin, but ever since then, he, is, he has been uh, a shining star. I think he's great. He can go in the slot. He can go out wide. Uh, this guy is uh, obviously very versatile. Obviously, his age is a little bit of an issue. He is uh, approaching 29 years old. He's 5'11", 180 pounds. He still ran a 4 Five two, I believe. Um, so I think there's some uh, still some upside to be realized, but I think his age is something we want to keep an eye on. I did give him an eight out of ten with an opportunity to go to a nine if he can clean up that pass rush. Uh, if we if they use them uh, in that way, maybe they won't. I guess we'll see. Uh, but I did give him an eight out of ten. And then moving on to Brian Branch, I put Brian Branch specifically yeah. at the the slot corner position. Yep. Now, obviously, he's a, a new draft pick. He's six foot, uh, two hundred three pounds from Alabama. Uh, he was dra- drafted, I think, forty sixth overall. He's twenty one years old. When he was playing for Alabama, this guy was a stud oh. in pretty much every category. I mean, he had an eighty four point eight grade across the board. He was one of the best tacklers in the entire NCAA. Uh, great in coverage, great in pass rush, even better in run defense. Like this is exactly what you want if he can translate that from Alabama over to uh, the Detroit Lions. I think they got themselves a stud, especially at the the slot category. So I think that's going to be something to watch for uh, for the Minnesota Vikings when we think about running and passing against the Lions. I think that'll be really, really imperative. And I think Brian Branch is another category in which the Lions have drafted well, in my opinion. I think uh, other than maybe the New York Jets, I think the Lions have the best roster in the NFL. I think they're, they're, they're doing very, very well. Yep. So really excited to see what Brian Branch can put on the field. And then moving to the depth cornerback position, I specifically have Will Harris. Mm. So uh, this guy, I think... Uh, I think he was technically 64th ranked out of 118 qualified uh, cornerbacks. This guy, I went back and forth between Will Harris and Jerry Jacobs, and I did go uh, with Will Harris because he had a little bit of a P- better PFF grade last year. He had more snaps uh, in in both uh, run defense, pass rush coverage. Uh, he is a little bit older than Jerry Jacobs. That's the only notch against him. He's almost 28 years old, but he was from Boston College. He was a third-round pick in 2019, like you mentioned. He ended the year at a 63.7 grade. So I did give him a 6 out of 10. Uh, I think there's a, uh, you know, maybe a, a chance that he uh, he gets adjusted, but I think, um, you know, I think there's uh, some some decent side there. So, or I'm sorry, not a 6 out of 10. I mean, uh, a 3 out of 5, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, so that brings us to a 23 out of 35 for the Detroit Lions. So we're seeing it pretty similarly from an overall talent. Uh, standpoint um I, you know putting brian branch in there in the slot uh makes a lot of sense because you've had gardner johnson as a safety mm-hmm. um when we did safeties i had branch in there as um as the the third safety and i gave him a five out of five uh, because i think he's going to be a starter whether he replaces tracy walker as a starting safety or he replaces mm-hmm. 
um, or he or he earns the nickel job uh, remains to be seen. Either way, Brian Branch is going to be on the field. Complete stud. Uh, filled yeah. up the stat sheet every single week for Nick Saban. Had 90 tackles, seven pass breakups, three sacks. I mean, he is so good. Um, He's a guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, when you got Sutton, Jacob, or Sutton, Gardner Johnson, um, and uh, Branch, I mean, on the field, th- those guys are going to, I don't know who's going to be where. Uh, obviously, Sutton will be at corner, but where you play Branch, where you play Gardner Johnson, I don't really know, but they're both on the field and they're bo- they're both really good. So, um, yep. a, a pretty good group of DBs here, um, guided by defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn on a pass defense that was awful early in the season and then got a little bit better. Worse in the league. Yeah. <laughs> it, they showed signs of getting better later on, but it was it was awful. So o- only place this group can go is up, uh, but they did do a lot to improve it from a personnel standpoint over the offseason here. And um, I think that'll come to fruition for them. And um, they better because really the team, the Lions, are battling for the division has oh by the way justin jefferson on the roster uh and now another young receiver in addison and tj hawkinson so lions know uh, who they're playing uh most often and um you know they know they're gonna have to battle and and by the way detroit got a lot better uh as a wide receiver pass catching group this offseason as well so the lions were wise uh to bulk up in in those two position groups okay green bay um When you talk about Green Bay corners, you start with Jair Alexander, who um, love him or hate him uh, from a, a personal level or an adversarial level. Uh, he's a really good player. Uh, you know, good ball production every year. Had five picks a season ago. I don't think he's perfect. Justin Jefferson, he has a hard time with Justin Jefferson. Um, he had a hard time with Diggs when Diggs was here. So, you know, he, he's not he's not locked down guy every single time, but he's locked down guy most of the time. Uh, I, I gave him a nine. Um, again, not perfect, but I, the only thing you don't love is he's mouthy and you can get in his head. And then he's, instead mm-hmm. of playing at a nine level, he's playing at a six level. And yep. the book is out on him. That's what you do. You try you try to get in his head. It's part of the game plan when you play the Packers. So he's he's got to do better there without losing his edge. It's a very hard balance to draw. Um Moving on to the other outside corner, this is a, a player, Giles. Sometimes there's just players who suit your eye, and mm-hmm. you end up with a more favorable impression or viewpoint of that player than a lot of other people. And for me, Razul Douglas is that way. Mm-hmm. I just have a lot of appreciation for the way he came up in the league, and I think he isn't perfect from a a tactical standpoint from a technician standpoint. I think he gives up plays every now and then, but when the Packers are in a big game or a big spot, Razul Douglas makes plays like he's not afraid of that moment. So I really like that. And that's sort of an intangible quality to like about someone. You can't quantify that uh, with a box score or a measurement of any kind. It's just something you see and feel. And I get that with Razul Douglas. So uh, I know his completion percentage allowed, uh, sort of slipped last year. Two years ago, he was very good in that category. Last year, it slipped a little bit. So I ended up with a six on Razul Douglas. In big spots, he plays more like an eight. Uh, he has moments where he looks like a four. So I wound up at a six for Douglas. The nickel corner here uh, in Green Bay is someone I'm kind of excited about for them. And I'm not sure how much of of this reporting and the speculation you read up on Giles or not, but they have a player named Carrington Valentine. Um, who they're very high on as a nickel corner. He can also play on the outside. So 
If Alexander gets kicked out of a game, if Douglas loses a step, this is someone I think they'll tap to play on the outside. Six foot, 189 pounds, undrafted out of the University of Kentucky. Ran a 4-4-40 and has had a great camp by all reports in Green Bay and had an interception in their final preseason game with a bunch of pass breakups, uh, led the team in pass breakups in the preseason. So this is a player, a young player that they're excited about. I wanted to give him the nod and put him in this exercise because um, this is a group that I think is set for starters, but depth-wise they're looking for someone to jump up and grab grab a hold of it, and I think Valentine did that in camp. So I, I give him the nod. I put him in at, at nickel corner. The player who I think, uh, and I ended up with a, uh, a 5 for him on a scale of 0 to 10. So um, moving on, though, to who I think is the true third corner, that's Eric Stokes. Now, the problem with him is he's injured, uh, but former first-round pick, tons of talent, also someone who can run pretty well, uh, trying to work his way back methodically into playing, uh, playing form. Uh, good attitude. Uh, has some edge to him a player who plays like he expects to be good like he's surprised if you catch a pass on him he's surprised if they didn't win the game so I really like that attitude about him got good size six foot 194 was a first runner from Georgia a couple years ago Um, Liz Frank injury knocked him out of action so he's trying to work his way back from that once he's healthy he'll be their third corner Um, but um, you know a, a pretty good group here for Green Bay Alexander nine Douglas six Valentine five and Stokes gets a five out of five, so I end up with the the Packers at twenty five uh, for my um, my uh, cornerback room analysis of them, and that would put them tops in the division so far. There you go. I think you've been uh, looking at my cheat sheet over here because I got a twenty five <laughs> out of thirty five okay. as well. Yep. We got there a little bit differently once again, uh, but this is a group that was twelfth ranked in coverage last year, so they were borderline top ten. And I think they have the elements to improve. I really do. Uh, starting with Jerry, Jair Alexander. Um, as much as I hate him as a Vikings fan, I'm a big proponent of him yeah. as a player, uh, as, a, as a football fan. Uh, he did a, have an 80, uh, 80.3 grade last year. I think he was the eighth overall ranked cornerback out of 118 qualified corners. He was amazing in coverage, amazing in run defense. Ever since he entered the league in 2018 from Louisville, I think, uh, yeah, Louisville. Yep. Uh, in 2018, he's had pretty phenomenal grades. 2020 was by far and away his best year. He was the number number one ranked corner in 2020 with a, uh, I believe a 90.7 grade. So this guy has pretty significant upside. If you uh, can tap into his mental edge, like you mentioned before, if he can keep his eye on the ball, literally and figuratively, he is one of the best corners of the league hands down period. Uh, I think he's a obviously corner number one for the Packers. So I did give him a nine out of 10. Uh, I think if he can keep his, his mental edge sharp, I think he has the upside of becoming a 10. He really has the athleticism to do so. So, as much as I'm rooting for him to do that, I am rooting for him to not do that because yeah. that means it'll, it's going to inversely affect the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, but then moving on to Razul Douglas, this is another guy that I'm excited about. I think uh, he was the 30th ranked overall uh, corner last year out of 118 qualified uh, corners. He's 28 years old, 6'2", 209 pounds from Western Virginia. I think he was the 99th selection. Um, uh, actually, no, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yep. So he was that in 2017. Uh, but he had a 71.1 grade last year. He was good in run, uh, pass rush, good in coverage, good against the run. Uh, this guy played in both slot, played out wide. I think he's the perfect 1B to Jair Alexander for uh, for a, a Packers defense. I did give him a 7 out of 10 with an upside of going maybe to an 8. I don't think he has a 9 category here, but I think he's exactly what you want on the other side uh, for a competent cornerback. So this is one of the areas that I think the Packers are very, very strong. Yep. 
uh, for the slot cornerback. I did not do Valentine, but now you're making me question it that I should have <laughs> won a different direction. Uh, I did uh, pick Kay Nixon. Sure. Uh, he had a 71.2 grade. Yep. He was, uh, I believe, out of South Carolina in 2019. Uh, this guy is 26 years old. He played about 290 snaps last year. He's not great against pass rush. Uh, his real forte, I think, um, uh, is, is in coverage. He was pretty abysmal against the run, if we're being completely honest. So I think that's going to be something they'll have to improve. But I think uh, there's some, some upside there. But I think he was towards the bottom in terms of uh, total um, uh, cornerbacks last year. Um, uh, I think uh, I forget exactly what it was. But um, but anyway, so I think uh, there's some some decent upside, uh, but I did give him a five out of ten. So hopefully we can uh, from a football standpoint, see some improvement from him. And then from the depth standpoint, I did have uh, Eric Stokes, like you mentioned. Uh, He had a fifty three point seven grade. He was horrible against the run. Not so great in pass rush. Not so great in coverage. So I think hopefully we see a little bit of an improvement there for the first round pick. You think he was the twenty ninth overall. Like you mentioned, he's hurt. So hopefully he can get back on the field and he can realize some of his upside potential. But with that uh, play that he's put on the field and his injury, I did give him a two out of, uh, or I'm sorry, a three out of five, which brings the total Packers to a 25 out of 35. Yeah. You know, on Nixon, Giles, uh, the story with him is he's an, he's an elite returner. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there we yeah, go. He, yeah, he's an elite returner. And he, he started his career with the Raiders. And the reason he's in Green Bay is because Green Bay hired Rich Basaccia to be their special teams coordinator. And remember, he was he stepped in when the Raiders had to abruptly fire John Gruden. It was Basaccia who stepped yes. in and yes. actually did a, a pretty good job, all things considered, with the turmoil that was going on with the Raiders at that time. And um, uh, Nixon was a great returner for Basaccia in, in, in Vegas, Oakland slash Vegas. And when Basaccia went to Green Bay... They brought Nixon over, and he's an elite returner who can play DB. And he's one of those guys who is a liability defensively, and they need someone to wrestle that job away. It's just they, no one's done that yet. And I think Valentine is in the process of doing it. But until they feel comfortable, they'll probably put Nixon out there. But even when Nixon loses his role on defense, they're going to keep him as a returner. And who it reminds me of is Marcus Sherrill's. He's like their Marcus oh. Sherrill's. And yeah. and another um, sort of um, con- like the congruent nature of Sheryls and Nixon extends to the fact that I believe Nixon was not a returner in college, and then he oh. ends up being an elite yeah. returner at the national in the National Football League, and that's Marcus Sheryls' story. You go back and look at Sheryls yeah. at the University of Minnesota. The Gophers didn't have him returning punts. He ends up being the best punt returner in Vikings history. You know, apologies to David Palmer. Um, uh, <laughs> and so it's kind of a kind of a cool story. So that's that's Nixon's story. He'll be on the roster. I don't know if he'll be playing DB or not, but uh, he'll be on the roster uh, if nothing else, as as one of their uh, uh, as their elite returner. So, all right. Anyway, uh, let's go on to the Minnesota Vikings. I wanted to leave plenty of time here uh, because I, I just think there's much to talk about. Um, and it begins with the player who we're going to begin this exercise with, and that's a Caleb Evans. Mm-hmm. A lot there to like with a Caleb Evans size, 6'2", 198. Um, great guy. I don't know if you follow him on social media, but a f- positive, fun player to follow. Um, yeah. Good attitude. But it's the concussions and the injuries, right? So mm-hmm. um, I think he's what Brian Flores wants in a corner from a like a mm-hmm. pedigree profile standpoint but he's got to be on the field and he's got to improve uh his production mm-hmm. uh, so uh, you know i i ended up with a five on evans 
kind of like looking up, like a five looking up, like not looking down at him as a five. Um, I think he's got a chance to to move that up uh, a notch or two, and I hope that he can do that, and I hope he can stay healthy. Um, mm-hmm. Makai Blackman, other outside corner. I was excited about this pick, Giles, when they made it, and I've only grown more excited about him ever since he's gotten on the field uh, for the Vikings in practices slash preseason. And there's someone who he reminds me of, and it's not just the way he – it's not just like his appearance. It's the way he's going to get brought up, and he's going to have the same learning curve and growing pains as this player – and if he has the same attitude as this player, it's going to turn out just as well as it did for this player. And that player is Xavier Rhodes. I think Makai Ooh. Blackman is supremely confident mm-hmm. and is very physical and handsy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's handsy, and I don't think he clutches and grabs because he's not sure of himself. I just think it's his nature. I think he's physical. I think he's on you, and he's physical, and he's he's a pest, and he's annoying, and you don't want to play against him. And mm-hmm. if you remember Xavier Rhodes, he got flagged so many times as a young player, mm-hmm. and people got frustrated with it. And Zim, like Leslie at first, and then Zim, they stuck with him and stuck with him and stuck with him, gave him more reps, made him a starter, kept him out there, and it worked out for Xavier. And I think that will happen with Blackman if he has that mm-hmm. attitude to just stick with it. Um, I think he's a really good player. He had a rep in the preseason game with Seattle where he played a, a ball just perfectly. From what I can hear and see um, at camp, he's having a great camp. So I'm, I'm excited about him. I gave, I gave Blackman a six uh, because he's a rookie. We haven't seen it on the field at the NFL level. I have a feeling when we do this a year from now, he's probably going to be an eight. Um, if he has the type of rookie season, I think he can have slot corner. I went with Brian, uh, Byron Murphy, you know, a guy you could play on the outside, but I think ideally you got him in, um, in the slot. If they have three receivers on the field, he'll be playing over the slot. If they only have two, I think he's your other outside corner. Um, 190, uh, missed a bunch of games last year, but you know, the one thing that sort of, I was kind of tentative on Murphy, like, I don't know, a lot of money for him, and then, like, I haven't heard much about him in OTAs and just okay training camp. You know what I really love, though, Giles, is all of a sudden the Arizona Cardinals came to town, and he was just him. I mean, he was just, like, everywhere, making plays, highlights of him on social, fans tweeting about him. So I kind of like that Um, Mm -hmm. because it's like when the moment is big, he kind of showed up. So that that's a great way to put yeah, it. Yeah, so I kind of like that. I, I I gave Murphy an eight. Um, slot corner is an important position to be good at, and he's good at it. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I was oscillating between seven and eight, and I, I ended up at eight for Murphy. And then um, reserve, I went with uh, Joan Williams, uh, New England Patriots uh, cast off for some reason. We don't know why. I don't know if Belichick's ever gone on record as saying why. Six three two twelve, great size. You know, almost looks like a safety out there, but can play like a corner, um, can -hmm. play in the box, can cover, got length and physicality coming off an injury. Um, Overall, I just really like the potential of this group, Giles, when you also throw in the safeties. You throw in Jay Ward, you throw in Najee Thompson, Theo Jackson, Jawan Williams. um, Just a good group that I like a lot of. Um, And... Um, Cam Cam Bynum, Josh Metellus, Harrison Smith, all these DBs that they have, I think Brian Flores can work with it. I think he can make something uh, that's pretty good. 
um, and certainly something that's much better than it was last year. So when it all comes together, Evans 5, Blackman 6, Murphy 8. I gave Joan Williams a 3 on a scale of 0 to 5. The Vikings come down with a 22, but I think this is a group that at the end of the season we could look at them and say uh, that they were the best of the division when all was said and done. What say you? Uh, I could not agree more. I think there is uh, some interesting elements for the Vikings here, starting with the Caleb Elvins. Uh, I was a big fan of him coming out of college. I think he put on some really good tape last year. And I think uh, his biggest notch against him is specifically the concussions. Like availability is the best ability. And I think as concussions progress and the more you get, the more likely they are to occur. So that is a point of concern for me when I think about longevity for the Minnesota Vikings this coming season, that if he can't stay on the field, who's coming up behind him. But at the end of the day, he is healthy or healthy right now. And, if he can put him on the field, he puts together some pretty decent play. Um, I'm I'm excited about him, especially in the run. This guy is a phenomenal run defender, uh, even considering he's not necessarily that big. I did uh, get to uh, give him a high five at the game this past year or th- this past week. Uh, he's a uh, really happy-go-lucky guy. Yeah. Every time I saw him uh, walking around uh, the huddles there, he had a massive smile on his face. So I really love that attitude. I think that's something that uh, uh, when you combine that little chippiness but also that, that positivity, that's where you can really have a good culture yeah. guy and put a lot of good things on the field. So I am definitely rooting for a Caleb Evans. Uh, he is a little bit on the older side he's you know 24 years old so hopefully we can get another few good years out of him if he can stay healthy he was a fourth round pick i think the 118th overall selection from missouri he did have a 47.2 grade um, this past season. So I think uh, there is a little bit to be had there. I think uh, when when he was in very situational things, much like we're going to talk about with uh, Byron uh, Murphy Jr., I think he was really good when it, when it mattered, but there were some elements where he needs to clean up his game. Most of his snaps were from out wide. He did obviously play in special teams. Uh, I think there is some some upside to be realized. I guess, guess that all to say. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I did give him a 5 out of 10, but I do think he has the upside of a 7 or an 8 uh, if he can stay healthy healthy uh, because every time he did not get a great PFF grade, it was because of concussion uh, where there were some injuries at play. But when he was healthy, he was phenomenal. And when when the, the game really mattered, I think there were some really good games there. Yep. So all that to say, really excited for what he can put on the field because uh, he even had, a uh, you know, in the high 70s uh, in terms of PFF grade for the games that he was healthy. So really excited about that. And then moving on to Mackay Blackman, I'm even more excited about this guy. Yeah. When you look, I mean, we've uh, done a previous episode about this guy. When you look at his college career, he started off at Colorado. He was pretty decent, if not above average. And then he went to USC and then he became elite and he went up against Jordan Addison in, in practice every day. He ended the season at an 88.5 grade phenomenal in tackling even better at coverage. Uh, he is above average at run defense. I'm really, really excited about this guy. I think your, your comparison with, uh, Xavier Rhodes is pretty phenomenal. He's five foot 11, 178 pounds, obviously from USC. Like I mentioned, he was the 103rd overall pick this past off or this past draft. If he can be what I think he is, I think we have found ourselves a shutdown corner. So when you pair that with uh, who we're going to talk about next with Byron Murphy Jr., I think there's a chance that we pick a pretty dramatic swing when it comes to coverage in our secondary this upcoming season especially under Brian Flores. When you think about how they mix in pressures and how they, they tackle coverage, I'm really, really excited about this guy. Yep. I did give him a six out of 10, which is a little bit more than I typically give a rookie. Usually I give him about a five just because things don't always translate yeah. to the NFL, but I'm, I'm really excited about the, the skills that this guy brings to the, uh, brings to the table. So did give him a six out of 10. And then moving on to our slot corner, uh, Byron Murphy, Byron Murphy Jr. I think there's even higher upside with this guy. You put it best here. I think this is a guy that specifically shows up in big moments. He's not necessarily the flashiest player when you look at all of his stats. He's a really good run defender. He is average when it comes to stats and coverage. But when you look into the nuance of this guy... 
when he's going one on one in man, uh, or you know, when it, it's a, a, a very important third down or things like that, this guy is a shutdown corner. So I'm really excited to see what Byron uh, Murphy Jr. can do with Brian Flores and see how he can he can tackle that position. I also think he's one of the most versatile corners in the entire league because this is a scenario where when we're going to just have two corners on the field, I think he'll be out there, and when we play in the nickel, he'll also play in the nickel in the slot. So. Not many corners can go that versatile back and forth and put together elite level play. So I'm really excited for him uh, in the Minnesota Vikings defense. So with that, I did give him specifically an eight out of 10, considering that versatility and that high upside. And then moving on to Joan Williams, another guy that came from the Patriots, like you mentioned, I think uh, this is a guy that I have a little little bit of a question mark around because. Uh, he did not do well in the last two seasons. He come out uh, relatively strong in 2019 with the Patriots and then has had some down years in 2020 and 2021. But with that being said, those have been some kind of confusing years, uh, so to speak, for the Patriots. So I'm excited to see if he can have a resurgence. When I looked at him in camp this past uh, Friday, I was out there on the field. Uh, on the, I got some field passes from Steve Reed and went out yeah. there and uh, took a look at all the players, got to be around him. And he looked pretty pretty dang good honestly i was really excited about him what he was doing with the joint practice against the arizona cardinals now it was the cardinals don't get me wrong uh they're not necessarily the greatest team i think there's vying for the uh the number one overall pick next year but he was looking real good so i'm really excited to see if he can translate that training camp type play and put it onto the field when it comes to playing the bucks here in week one here in a few weeks so with that i did give him specifically a three out of five which brings the minnesota vikings to a 22 out of 35 there we are again we land on the same number and yep you know with this Vikings group, um, I think we 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 come at it with a pretty positive spin at it, and I think that's not just because of the you know the rooting interest, and we're from Minnesota, and we have interest in them doing well. But I think it's because there's youth. There's there's the combination of unknown and youth is sends you down the road of positivity. I think. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think the whole thing that ties all of it together that people are just, they can't wait to really see what happens is the Brian Flores twist to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I don't feel bad for Brian Flores, but there's, there's a little, like there's some pressure there on him because the expectation is that he's going to take something that was really bad and it's going to be really mm-hmm. good. It would be yeah. a great accomplishment if the Vikings pass defense was average this year that mm-hmm. and by tremendous accomplishment, I mean, that would be a big improvement if they were just average. That's how bad they were last year is if they are just average, that's a great improvement for them. Now, no one wants to be just average. Brian Flores doesn't want to be just average. He expects him to be top, whatever top five. I don't know. He might expect him to be number one for all, for what I've heard about him and his competitiveness, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. um, there's great opportunity here for this group to improve, but there's also great expectation for them to do that. So I'll be really curious to see what happens, see how it unfolds. They're going to be tested early and often. Um, you know, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come in to the season with low expectations and people might not even give them a second thought because it's Baker Mayfield. It's not Tom Brady, but I mean, they got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like there's some, there's some ballers on the Tampa Bay offense from a pass catching standpoint. Uh, I think yep. they have a good running back too, and then if, and then it's the Eagles in week two, right? So and then it's the charger the Chargers in week three. So like this this group's going to be tested early and often this season. Um, so we'll we'll know pretty quickly if they've improved or not, 
and they're going to probably take some lumps early on. And if they can survive that, I think it's a, a group that has a chance to be pretty good. And they didn't finish ranked number one in this in this division, but they have a chance at the end of the year to be the top group um, here if things go go well for them. Uh, interesting, Giles. I put uh, I combined the the corner and safety grades for me for my okay. grades. Yeah. Yep. And Detroit, Green Bay, and Minnesota came out with the same number, thirty nine for me. Um, and then Chicago was a you know a significant step down at thirty five. They were four points down. Um, but you know when you combine the the two populations, uh, uh, corners and safeties, Lions, Packers, Vikings came out with the same number. I would imagine you were probably pretty close to that. You're probably computing it as we speak. Um, but that's how it came out for me. Interestingly enough, so. I actually have the Vikings and the Lions tied okay. um, at 55. I have the Packers with a 59 and then a Bears with a 43. Yeah. So the Packers do have the best uh, secondary, even though their their uh, their uh, safety room wasn't uh, yeah. spectacular. Um, actually, I take that back. Please hold. Yeah. I, I just calculated it the wrong way. My apologies. I was going to say this does not look right to me. Uh, we specifically have, I take that back, the Vikings and the, the Lions are still tied yep. at a 41. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Packers have a 39 and the Bears have a 36. So the Vikings and the Lions yep. do uh, lead the division when it comes to the secondary. Yeah. So I think that, that makes absolute yep. sense. And, you know, and, and finally on this, uh, I didn't go through and do this for today's episode, but I'll try and get this done for the next time we chat. Um, I just want to go see and like who are the highest graded players in this whole exercise, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll sort of tally that up and maybe come with some, a few interesting stats or thoughts on that. But um, there's only one player who was graded as a starter who got a perfect grade in this whole exercise. All four teams, every position group, only one of the starters got a perfect grade on their scale. Do you know who it was? I'm trying to remember. Who was it? Justin Jefferson. Oh, yes, yep. of course. He's the yeah. only one. No surprise yep. there. <laughs> and so some of the starters we graded on a scale of 0 to 15, some were 0 to 10, whatever. So of all, of all the starters, there was only one perfect score, and that was Justin Jefferson. We both gave him a 10 out of 10. Um, I think we, we gave a few 9s away. I think we gave Darisaw a 9. Um, yep. I gave Taylor Decker a 9. There might have been a couple of others. So I'll go through and tally yep. that up. Jair Alexander. Yeah, Alexander yep. got a 9, yeah. So anyway, Jefferson's yep. the only perfect one, and I think that's appropriate. He's the best non quarterback in the NFL, I would say. So, um, out at training camp, everyone was playing checkers and he was playing chess. It was not even close how much better he was to every other people or player on the field when they were doing one-on-one drills, when they were doing 11 on 11, uh, he was clearly the best player on the field period. Full stop. Yep. Yep. And he probably will be that way during the regular season. So, um, Mm -hmm. this was a fun exercise, Giles. I'm glad we did it. Uh, let's make it a a regular on the Wobcast. So when we, we, we go into the 2024 season, we should do this again. Uh, encourage everyone to go back and listen to all the episodes because we covered every position on the roster save for the special teamers. So if you want to see what we thought about the Vikings position group at every position on the roster relative to the NFC North, you can go back and listen to all of those while you're biding your time until the regular season starts. So we got to go. That's it for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Giles and I are going to carve out some time later this week, right, Giles, to talk about roster cuts? Yeah. Yeah. So I think there'll be plenty to talk about and plenty to break down once the roster is determined. We know who's on the practice squad. We know who's on the 53. Uh, There'll be some key decisions, maybe a trade or two for us to discuss. So we'll find some time later this week and record an episode and and push it out. Does that sound good to you? 
Let's do it. All righty, that's going to do it for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Remember to like, subscribe, and follow the Wobcast 2.0. You can find it wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and, of course, on YouTube. On behalf of Giles, this is Wobby signing off for now. Until next time, Skull Vikings.